Hello, everybody around the world. Hello, beautiful ladies around the world. This is Yemi Majakudumi again from Widow Recovery Secrets. So this is podcast 50. I can't believe it. <laughs> so I've got a beautiful lady. I'm honored to have Lassandra Hutchinson from America, just outside Chicago. She's a founder and CEO of Grace and Grief. She's a speaker, writer, social justice advocate, coach, and a YouTube lead. We welcome Lassandra. We're here again to encourage widows around the world. And the intention and the purpose of this podcast is to show you that you, they, they can and you can find purpose out of loss. And my tagline, as I say to you women, is dare to dream greater. So we're going to start off asking Lassandra, how long have you been widowed? If you could share that, please. Yeah, actually, it was four years. Um, actually, this week on mm-hmm. Monday was, yeah, the four-year mm-hmm. anniversary of my husband passing away. Sorry to hear that. And can you give me a brief outline of who you are and how you see yourself, please? Yeah, so I'm... Um, founder and CEO of Grace and Grief. And that is an organization that helps really anyone um, grow through grief and live boldly after loss. And so I'm obviously talking about my story as a widow, but it's for anyone that's experienced any kind of grief. Um, and that could just be the disappointment of life. We all experience grief, uh, even loss of health, loss of jobs, divorce, um, loss of children. Obviously, with us, our spouse, um, depression, just any type of grief that people experience, we have resources and our content addresses that. I'm also a social justice advocate. I've worked in some way, shape, or form since I was a teenager um, doing violence prevention, primarily um, educating the community about domestic violence and teen dating violence. And so I still do that as well here in Illinois, um, in America. And I also, my, my bachelor's degree is in social policy and my master's degree is in public administration and policy. And so I have a heart to also see change in public policy that supports marginalized communities and just communities that haven't been invested in, such as widows, obviously, and orphans globally. So that's also a passion of mine. Well, you've got a huge remit there. <laughs> wow. Very, very impressed, yeah. So could you mention three solutions you've implemented to three challenges you had when you became a widow? Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, obviously just as a person of faith, prayer and journaling, you know, I don't even call it prayer. I just call it spending time with God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and that can look different for, for anyone. You know, I, I really prioritize spending time journaling how I was feeling because obviously many people know there's so much pain and so much fear even. I spend a lot of time writing, just writing and praying and journaling and trying to let my heart vent, vent um, trying to seek God about what to do next at each juncture. And so that, that was a, probably number one thing that I have found to be helpful from day one on this journey. Second is I reached out to other widows. That was a huge part of it. I have not felt as understood and so probably supported as much as I have when I'm talking to other widows because they just get it. And there's so much nuance 
to this experience. It just helps to have other widows share their narrative, give their, their perspective, even if it's different from mine, uh, because our age is different or where, we, where we're from geographically is different. There's just a shared understanding about what it means to lose your husband, you know? Mm-hmm. So I found that to be really important. Um, and then the third thing is I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot of books and devoured a lot of information about grief, <laughs> which is how Grace and Grief got started. I just, I'm, I call myself a compulsive researcher in a way. And so if I've got something going on in my life, I immediately start devouring information, podcasts, YouTube videos, articles, books, and a lot of, I was taking in so much information, sometimes reading and studying all night, uh, which I tend to do that is kind of go down the rabbit hole. I was filling my heart and my mind with so much and applying things. That's how I started talking about grace and grief and people were asking me to come and speak and I would share where I was, but also what I had learned. Yeah. So, cause I find it interesting, just the three points that I want to touch on from what you've said is when you talk about faith, could you explain, because what faith are you talking about? Because some people don't understand. Yeah, so I'm a Christian, so I believe in Jesus, and I I believe in the Bible, that that's the word of God, and um, I came to my, I was, I grew up in a Catholic church, uh, but when I was in Um, college, I started going to a Bible study and learning more about the power of the Holy Spirit and how we could really know God for ourselves, that he saw us and he was interested in who we were and that he spoke, you know, and he he moved and he answered prayer. And so that increased my faith and I tried it out and found it to be real. And so I just kept with that. Um, and made that a huge part of my life so that's that's how I see my faith so because I tend to explain in my podcast or in my writings that it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ it's not a relationship it's having a personal relationship with Christ I'm saying that to my audience again for those who are not sure who the creator is or the creator of creation I say again there is a God and I find in grief personally and as Lysandra testifies as well it helps you a lot on your recovery journey. Yeah. When people, when you, when we continue to say we are still married to our dead spouse or we're still clinging to the past, it contradicts what our creator teaches his children because he teaches us about hope. And it's in finding a relationship with the creator, your grief, it's not an easy journey. I'm not deceive you and say so, but it makes the journey lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what's helped me. And Lassandra is saying the same. And into in relative to what you said, I find it interesting when you're saying you, in terms of um, doing research on grief and reading a lot. And for me, I come from a mental health background. Mm-hmm. So my grief, I, I could relate to grief in the sense that I'd lost a few relatives in my past. Yeah. But my major one obviously was my spouse. And then because I came from, I come from a positive mental health background, I, my angle was the issue around caring for yourself, caring for your mind, you know, and so on and so forth. And the journaling I found was fantastic because what I say to people, and I'm sure Lysandra, you could relate, is when you write something today, in a month's time, when you read it, you realize, wow, you've, it shows how you've grown yes how, what a place you were in then and now you've actually recovered you've gone sometimes the steps in widowed or recovery is not doesn't seem phenomenal 
when you write it and then you look back on what you've written, it is amazing. And yeah. with the, do you find with the journaling, if you want to moan, you can moan. If you want to yeah. shout, <laughs> yeah, no one's saying, calm down a little bit. The children yes, are saying, yeah, isn't that so? Yes, that's absolutely right. You Whatever yeah. you got to do, you can yes. do it. Yes, absolutely. it's amazing. And the journal doesn't judge you. So that's another tool. For those that might find it a bit tedious, it's a very efficient way of expressing your grief. Because you find even when we, I mean, as I, like I've written, I wrote a book on working out a widow, which my audience know, and new audiences might not know. But even when you write a book, there's something more private when you keep a journal because the inner resources of your mind are shared most mm-hmm. honestly on your journal, which you might not even share with your family mm-hmm. because they've never walked that road before. You know, and it helps you keep a step of how you're progressing. I have a friend too. She keeps her journal in her voice notes on her phone. She yeah, does yeah. voice recordings. And I've also started to type on a Google Doc. I have, I have, I write in my journals physically on paper, but then I also have some Google documents that I journal into as well. Yeah, because that's why, because I even found when I said journal, then it became a blog. I started writing a blog. Yeah. So like my, I've got a blog on surviving widowhood, which was the first, first and second year of my loss and just the steps I took. So it's amazing. And then people end up becoming authors from journaling because you yeah. become so good and so on and so forth. So we're just saying again, as a tip, it is a good to journal. No matter how short it is, it's a way to journal and not fear if anyone's judging you or perceiving you because people who've never walked this journey before can never really understand it they try as much to help you but you're the one who knows how you're really feeling and where you're at yeah absolutely yeah so another thing i would like to ask is what have you become more proficient at since your loss or a master at (laughs) yes ma'am I like this question. You know, my husband was more dominant in his personality. Uh, and I'll give you an example. You know, if we were on the phone with customer service and they were giving me a hard time, he would just hand, you know, put his hand out and say, just give me the phone, you know, and he would figure it out. You know, he'd fix it. Like, just give me the phone, you know, and he'd argue with the guy, give me the manager. I want this done today. And so I wasn't as assertive um, and as, you know, uh, proficient in getting things done and saying what I needed to say. Um, in a way that was concise and to the point. And so I have had to grow in that area and I have grown tremendously because you, you know, it, it's right away. You have to start doing that almost at the funeral. You have to become strong like that. And um, it's, it's almost immediate. So that's one of those ways. I think another way is, you know, just with my children, I have four children and it was hard for me at first, just sitting around the even sitting around the dinner table with them without his presence. It just mm-hmm. hurt my feelings that we were together, but he wasn't there. So I think I've grown emotionally. I, I also feared traveling with them. I feared that I would be stressed out if I even took them to a hotel and did certain things. And of course, at the time they were younger, if they're older and they're a little bit more self-sufficient, but I've grown in my confidence as a parent, um, my ability to just parent them, my ability um, emotionally not to feel so um, 
so much focus on the, on what on the fact that he's not here, but more focus on the fact that we're still together, um, and that he's integrated into our into our hearts and into our lives in different ways. Um, so that was a, a big way that I had to develop, um, even in how I saw that. And then I think in the other thing is just as a business person, I had never saw myself as an entrepreneur per se, but I got thrown into entrepreneurship almost immediately. And, you know, I can't believe how much I have grown in my knowledge and understanding of even rhetoric around entrepreneurship, things like how you're going to scale your business and, you know, (laughs) marketing. And these were, I didn't know what anybody was talking about, but I have immersed myself in all of that and and just grown tremendously in that way. So can I ask how old were you when you became a widow? I had just turned 35. So oh, I, had, I was about, yep, I was like about three weeks after my 35th birthday. Oh, wow. Because I was um, 47 when my husband passed. Okay. Yeah. Because I do find when I speak to widows, the age, because when you talk to widows, people tend to say to you, how old were you? So people have different views on mm-hmm. when they, how, in terms of how their husband died, how old they were, the nature of the death. Yeah. So their stories, each story is quite unique in their own, you know, and I believe grief and that determines how you process the grief as well. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. You know, I would even say the quality of the marriage and what was happening in the marriage when especially when a person passed away. I've seen that is a huge aspect of how people grieve. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, what, what I related to in what you said when I was asking about the masteries, when you said you have to step up and speak up no one's going to teach you anything when you're there doing it by yourself but the, with the lord i always say to my children i'm not on my own the lord is always with me yeah. but the bottom line is he's with us and even when he does help us he sends people to help us but the physical when you're when someone is talking to you you just find you step up you have to be more yeah. vocal you got your confidence doesn't it Yes, it does. It builds your confidence in ways that at first it's terrifying and you almost Mm -hmm. feel more grief because you're like, why do I have to do this? But when you do it, it's like a muscle. It's Mm -hmm. a muscle that you strengthen. And after you've strengthened it, you feel good because Mm -hmm. you know you can stand on your own two feet and it feels good. Yeah. And what's so amazing as well is, you know, our children observe everything. They observe the growth. Yeah. And I say, because people always say to me, but what about the children? I say, Yes, you get all the support you ask for and explore the support they need when it's happening yeah. and continually checking in on them. But when they see mom or dad who's ever been left behind is growing and becoming more confident, they feed into that, don't they? They do. It helps them tremendously. I mm-hmm. think that so much of their healing is wrapped up in what they see us do and how we're talking about it, how we're moving through life, how we're growing. It, it, I think they follow our lead. Even if we don't say that, they just automatically follow our lead. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Okay, thank you for that. And okay, so what purpose have you found? You've more or less touched on this, but I'm gonna ask you this question because a lot of people, when I explain purpose, they always say, I get the thing they don't understand what I mean. So what purpose specifically have you found out of loss? And you could name three factors that have inspired you. Okay. Yeah, this is a great question. I mean, you know, I think we have this in common. And um, what I like to tell people is that, you know, the soul grows through grief. And so grief doesn't have to be a stumbling block. It can be a vehicle 
It doesn't have to be a stumbling block. It can be a, a, it's a stepping stone. It doesn't have to stagnate you. It can become something you leverage. And so the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions begins to become more robust and stronger, more well-defined, more refined, um, more deep, more deepened, right? And so through the pain of loss, if we process it well, we're changing, we're developing more into quite possibly the person God had always intended for us to be. And so because I believe in predestination and I believe that every person born has a purpose from God, that God has a design with something in mind about your life when he creates us, um, I have found that God has used my widowhood to pull me further into his purpose for me. And so for example, when I was 10 years old, I used to watch televangelists on TV. And in my heart, I knew like, this is what I want to be. I want to be a public speaker. Like I want to be a preacher. And I was like a girl from a Catholic church, you know, watching these Pentecostal preachers, you know, fiery preachers. And I just felt like, yeah, that's what I would be. And I wasn't even in that, but I just mm -hmm. felt so drawn that I wanted to inspire the people that were at the lowest of the low of life mm -hmm. somehow with my words to pull them up off the floor. I knew that at 10 and in my teenage years and in my twenties, I started to do that little by little. I started doing a lot of public speaking, some inspirational speaking, some preaching at church in my twenties. But when my husband passed away, all those doors and opportunities for that started flying open more and more and more and more larger audiences of people. And not just that, but the people who I felt called to, the people, these are people now I'm talking to about grief and loss and death and mm -hmm. some who uh, I've spoke at a suicide convention, suicide uh, prevention co conference where people were there whose kids had hung themselves in a bedroom and I'm coming in to encourage. Oh, yeah. So I could see how God placed me smack dab in the middle of what he had designed me to always be and do as a result of, of the loss. Mm -hmm. He used it to catapult me into mm -hmm. destiny and purpose. That's amazing, amazing. Because I think the debt, well, not I think, I know our debt comes, is linked to the faith in having a creator, God. Yeah. You know, I don't think you would fully understand purpose if you don't believe in a creator, because you're basically walking or navigating through widowhood using your flesh. Yeah. But when your spirit is tied to a creator and you become born again in Christ, yeah. you will understand that the Lord transforms our minds and you de you, you're able to delve deeper into what your purpose is. Your purpose is linked to your creator. I'm saying this to my audience again tonight. Purpose is not linked by just being an ordinary person. Our purpose is linked to why God created you in the first place. So many times, as Lassandra says, rightly says, is we're evolving all the time. God doesn't allow evil, but when it does happen, it brings good out of the evil and that's and, and allows us to triumph. And the being able to triumph gives you the purpose. And in the purpose, you find fulfillment out of the loss. I hope okay. you're getting it, audience. <laughs> you know, it's quite complex, but I say to people, especially those people in the United Kingdom, if you're not sure about Christian faith, go to alpha.org and explore it. Their own classes there. Alpha.org. I'm getting more and more friends from the UK, so I wanted yeah. to know. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of curiosity, and we don't, like in my 
49th podcast, I talked more a bit about purpose. And I just gave, I continue to give my testimony. You can't, your growth in life and your purpose is tied to the Lord God who created us. It might sound cliche, but that's the timeless truth. If you can grab that timeless truth, your walk through widowhood will be a bit easier. I'm not saying it's easy, but it will give you a greater perspective. And that's why I share in my book, Walking Out of Widowhood. You can find it on my website. We're going on to our next topic, which is what would you, what is your vision about remarriage? Would you, and do you think one has to intentionally keep their heart open to love again? I do. I do believe that we should intentionally, you know, we have to intentionally keep our heart, you know, open to love again. I think that, um, I think that is something that marriage is just beautiful. Uh, what I have found in studying marriage and singlehood and widowhood is that in the eyes of God, one is not more valuable than the other. So we didn't lose any status when we became widows, not in the eyes of God. We're the same. We're equal because we're all equal before him, whether or not your wife widowed or never been married. Um, nevertheless, you know, I see marriage really as um something that adds to your quality of life. I found marriage should be really rich. It's different. There's so many beautiful aspects to being single, you know, or, you know, even in widowhood. But I, I believe that marriage to me is about having a destiny partner, someone to who wants to chase God down with you, <laughs> you know, someone who wants to fulfill purpose, a purpose that is aligned with your purpose, where you guys have the fun and the excitement of going after it together. There's something about that that's different from when you're by yourself. Um, and so that's really the bottom line that I see. It's just a relationship that glorifies God, glorifies his love for us, his love for the church, um, and someone to just partner with in your purpose and, and to chase, ch to grow in your relationship with God, to have your character refined, someone who sharpens you and brings out the best of who you are to the forefront. So that's something that I hope to experience again. I felt like I definitely experienced that with my marriage, my late husband. And so I hope to continue that. Um, type of relationship in the future yeah. but I definitely think we should be intentional yeah. I mean even if some people believe in dating some people don't but I do mm -hmm. think you can posture your heart mm -hmm. where your heart is just open and then position yourself which I think really means think about if I wanted to get married next month <laughs> what things would need to be in place about me as a person and my life so that that could happen or next year or two years or four years or five years and try to move in that direction in a way that's very prayerful and purposeful yeah and thank you for that because um you just you just defined it exactly posture your heart and position yourself and when I talk about this as well, because in one of my podcasts, I was speaking about the first person who comes along, in spite of you being postured in your heart and posturing yourself, you might get along and things might seem okay, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the one. And the times when we do get hurt, there's a chance you might get hurt because a lot of, because we face disappointment and loss, there's a tendency to, the Bible says, guard your heart, no diligence. But when you do open to love again, there's a tendency you might get hurt, but it doesn't mean you you you, you can recover and still posture your heart. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is 
you don't just think the first person who comes on, no matter how perfect it seems, you might, you might not be, have all things in common that might wait, may not, might make it work or not. Mm-hmm. So expect that there might be a chance to be hurt and you might not be hurt. But when I was talking to widows, some people said it was the second person that came along. <laughs> the first person, I think the first person perhaps is the one the Lord uses to repair our hearts again. Because even any form of relationship isn't easy because there's a lot of compromise. Oh, and, yeah. and I tend to feel a lot of widows say to me, oh, I don't want another man dying on me. I don't want to be caring for anybody. But those are negative thoughts. Those are not. Yeah. We have to focus on the positives. Yeah. What is it? What are the benefits of being in a relationship? I talk about it in my book on God. It's, a, it's such a blessing. Such a blessing, yes. Yeah, and I, I've said it. Two yeah, is better than one. Yeah, two is better than one. <laughs> even when there's things challenging, as much as we step up, in your psyche, in your psyche, it's just good to know there's someone else physically that backs you up. That's right. You know, someone you can call upon. It's different to a friend. Your husband yes, is a different, different. It's a different relationship. And as you grow together, the intimacy goes deeper and deeper in every way. And my prayers tonight, to a lot of widows listening, that will listen to this podcast, may the Lord find you a new spouse. Mm-hmm. And you have to believe so yeah. that it can happen again. And I say always on my podcast, we live, the Lord's blessed us to live healthier and longer years. You can live to 120. So do you want to tell me when your husband passed at 35? You're going to be on your own for so, over 70 years. It's a long time. Yep. It's, it is, isn't it? Yes, it is. Your children don't stay with you. They grow up, they fly. They're going to leave, right. <laughs> Even the kids start telling parents now. I've heard widow say to me, they, they're eating. Now, Mom, what's going to happen to you? I'm going to uni and I'm not coming back to the app. So yeah. I'm encouraging you tonight. Yeah, open posture. I love how you said posture your heart and position yourself. Yeah. So posture of the heart relates to opening your heart intentionally and positioning means the physical you do the internal work and then you do the physical thing yeah so like create room for the person look at your schedule would you really have time for that person when they come yeah. along you yeah. know and don't be too dominant because many times it's when we become too independent you start to have a mindset that you don't really need we can never have it all where you have to continue to clothe yourself in humility because it's definitely required when you want to go into a new relationship yeah okay and then my next thing is what does total surrender to god mean in terms of intentionally walking into what god has for you yeah i think it means really um letting god your relationship with him really be at the helm of your life you know, as people, I think that sometimes some people fear walking with the Lord or having a relationship with God because they feel like, well, God's going to take away, take over everything and I'm not going to be able to be myself or I'm not going to be happy because it's going to, but it's not like that. We, we partner with God to create our life and, but we, we let him be Lord of our life where we say, okay, God, you, I'm, I'm following your lead. And I'm partnering with you. And so you're you're at the helm of, of my life. You're at the center of my life. Um, and I'm seeking you. I'm seeking you daily. Um, I'm reading your word. I'm worshiping you. And I'm asking you to order my steps. Um, and I'm asking you to lead me and inspire me toward the right things and pull the right people in my life. And I'm trying to 
really understand your will and your word and and pattern my life in that way. And and you can still be who you are though, in your own personality and in your own truth of who you are, walk with God. And so I think that's really what it means to make him God and and, and really surrender to him. Um, and, it, and it means that even times where maybe there are things that you think are better uh, or times where you may want some things, you know that his way is better. His will is better. Mm. And I think to add to it, that's, that's brilliant. Because people tend to mix religion and having a personal relationship with you. And that's right? scary. That's very scary. And yeah. it's some yeah. Because a lot of people have had a, I appreciate a lot of people have had a really horrible experiences with institution, religion. Yeah. Some churches. So yeah. when you do share your faith, automatically thinking you're going to join a religion. Mm-hmm. But having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ means getting to know who Christ is, mm-hmm. getting to know who God is, getting to know who created the earth and the universe. And as much as you might be part of church and be in church and fellowship, some people can go to church for 20 years and never have a personal relationship. Yes. And that's what we call religion. Yes. But for you to grow and understand what Lassandra is saying, where you have Christ at the end, it's about growing gradually and learning to read the word and just understand what God is telling you, you are, what you were created for. And it comes gradually. It's not an overnight walk. It's actually a lifetime of discovery. Yeah, exactly. It's a lifetime of discovery. Absolutely. So if you had one last word to give to widows tonight, what would it be? Or sentence? Oh, um, I would say dream big. I know that goes along with your tagline, dream big. Amen. And um, I think that that's something I still have to, I still have to push myself in that direction. You know, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy because even if you dream big, uh, you also need the sustain, it has to be sustainable faith where, you know, it has to continually, continually have to pour into your heart and pour into your faith and and to keep it strong, um, because sometimes things don't come together overnight, <laughs> you know. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. And even yeah. the dream big, which is very beautiful, actually, your tagline is, it's a relative thing as well. It's quite relative. So what's big for me might be too small for you. That's true. Well, Sandra and vice versa, whoever's listening to this podcast. So big doesn't the same mean the way the world defines big, where yeah. you have 50 million followers. That might not be your purpose. Your purpose might be just 10 followers or 10,000 people, and that's it. Yeah. Lassandra's might be 5 million. So you never, that's why we're never meant to compare ourselves or our destinies or our purpose. Everyone has a specific remit. And may you find what your purpose is. Because when you do find your purpose, you'll find fulfillment out of your loss and even fulfillment in your life. But God, the creator, is the one who gives you more clarity on why you were born in the first place. Yeah. And as I say to people, our husbands might have passed, but you're still here. So there must be a reason why the Lord has spared your life. Yeah. Come Can't on. be about just dwelling on your past. I know you, that too pass. You recover, you go through grief, then recover, then you go through grace. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the third stage, which I call transformation, and many do as well, you will find your purpose yeah. one day at a time. That's good. 
Yeah, so can I say thank you to Lassandra Hutchinson? Thank you. Grace, oh, Grace and Reeve. It's been such a privilege. I've learned a lot from you. And I'm going to use some of your catchphrases now. I love what you said. I'm saying it again to the widows out there around the world. In terms of remarriage or loving again, posture your hearts and position yourself. That's a very powerful thing mm -hmm. I'll take away tonight. And I hope you take it away. This is Yemi Majekudumi from Widow Recovery Secrets. As I say again, stay well, stay blessed. There's hope after loss. And dare, please, to dream a greater dream. Thank you very much.